The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that's always available on short rest. I'm Jake Vince. That's Jordan Schusterman. We are the Sesame's Family Barbecue. Jordan, no sleep for the weary. Yeah, let's 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 put this out there now. Um, we could podcast every day. Do we want to podcast every day? No, not necessarily. Like we made that decision, but we are physically capable of doing it if it, an emergency situation called for it except for you last night after the mariners 18 inning game that yeah, is i don't what we i call, don't regret that <laughs> that's forced de jour that is an act of god that is yes. certainly what one would describe as an emergency it is currently sunday october 6th 16th at 10 41 p.m all of the DS series eyes are over, except for Yankees Guardians, which we will talk about game four a little bit later on here. But what we're going to do on this show is we're going to take you back through the two NLDS series that are over, celebrate the Phillies and the Padres, say adios, bon of, how do you say bye in French? Bon au revoir? Bo- bon, bon voyage? <laughs> <laughs> bon voyage. Au revoir. Au revoir. Oh, We're going to oh, say okay. au revoir okay. to yeah. the Braves and the Dodgers and mm. the Mariners. So I guess bon voyage is like enjoy your offseason traveling to whatever remote location you are going to that is not the World Series. We are <laughs> going to say bon appetit to the Mariners who now get to eat up at nice dining institutions wherever they want all winter long. But let's begin... Philadelphia, where I was all weekend long. Jordan, what was your experience of the mm. Braves Philly series? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so super excited to watch this one. Obviously, we talked last episode about how excited we were to watch uh, Philadelphia, San Diego, and Seattle have postseason baseball for the first time in a long time. And I would say they all lived up to to it in, in, in different ways. Uh, but Philadelphia did seem, I think, the most the most unhinged in in a good in a positive way right and the reese the reese bat spike was something that was truly a a marvel uh mostly because i think i said this to you you know you were at the game and, and you saw it like and i saw some people tweet this too like if you just saw the clip and weren't paying attention you'd be like oh it was a walk-off oh <laughs> <Right? laughs> well, that, that was a walk-off home run for sure uh has to be the most hype third inning home run yeah, I can remember in a long time. Let's talk about that in a second. I just want to walk people quickly, quickly through what happened, right? So we were 1-1 heading into Philly. Game three, crowd's going bonkers. Noel is great. Reese does the bat flip. They build a lead early. Braves kind of claw back. Never get that close. Phillies win. Okay, game four. Noah Syndergaard is somehow very good through three innings, limiting the Braves to one run. Uh The Brandon Marsh homer in the second kind of breaks it open early. Phillies hold on, beat the Braves, pandemonium, bedlam in the city of brotherly love. Let's hop back to the Reese Batflip. There was so much behind it is what needs to be understood, is that if in that exact situation had, I think, anyone else on the team hit that home run, you would not have gotten that type of reaction. And that's not to say that Reese is a particularly emotive dude. He's not. That was part of this too. That was that was so unique and, and notable. 
He has been on this team longer than any other position player. He has been through the shit. He has waded through the muck. Okay. He has survived the years of just deplorably bad Phillies teams. And then the years of unfortunately mediocre Phillies teams which with high expectations, which was kind of worse. And then in the biggest moment after being booed in that bat before, after making an error in game two that lost in the game, Reese Hoskins did the fucking thing. He did the <laughs> fucking thing, Jordan. He yes. did it. Congratulations to him. And I will say that home run, not to make this about us, that home run was more personally fulfilling than any other home run I have ever seen. Because as people know, we have known Reese for a long time. We are decently close with him. And to see him have that dream moment was so surreal. Yeah, because again, like even seeing him in the postseason on the big stage playing in Philadelphia under these circumstances was amazing and cool. And, you know, we couldn't be happier for him. You know, it, it only goes back to, you know, when we saw him in the home run derby, you know, and, and, and I know he didn't make it that far, but, but that performance too, was like, oh my God, that's Reese doing this thing on national television. This is so cool. Uh, but this is that times a million, of course. And, and yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. And then what a, what a cool thing for them to just roll in that first game, no stress whatsoever. It seemed like after that, you know, everyone was just kind of having a party. Spencer Strider, just, I mean, look, he, he just didn't just didn't really have it. He hadn't pitched in a long time, and who knows if, if injuries were hampering him or not. I mean, he was still throwing really hard, uh, but he, you know, unsurprisingly rusty, and then that was that. Was that. that game was over pretty quickly because Aaron Nola is awesome. He was uh, Spencer Strider for the first two innings, and then in the third inning, he was like uh, Benser Bider. Like, he just had nothing left. He was not himself. The pitch that Hoskins hit out was, I believe, 93 miles an hour. Not what you want from Spencer Strider. Uh, game four, uh, again, you're, you're there again. And right, they go to Noah Syndergaard. And Noah Syndergaard has been has had a really strange season. Noah Syndergaard, who uh, I was super fascinated by his return from Tommy John because him and Justin Verlander, two huge names coming back from Tommy John. Verlander, of course, nine years older than him. But they came back, and it was like, all right, these guys both got huge money in free agency. Obviously, Verlander got a little bit more, but you know, Syndergaard got a huge deal for the Angels. He went to the Angels, and he, the velo just never came back, and it still hasn't come back. It just hasn't. And I, at this point, I don't know why we would suddenly expect it will at any point. But in this context, he delivered everything that they asked of him, which was just three okay innings, uh, and then the bullpen just showed up, and the Braves' offense. And the Braves bullpen very much did not, uh, and that was that was the difference because the Phillies offense, especially the bottom of the order, most notably, was was doing damage all series long. Really impressive. I dude, this team is so weird. They have a lot of weird dudes, and I mean that in a very good way. It's an odd bunch. They really do enjoy one another's presence. It was very enjoyable to be around them all weekend. Like I laughed. You know, baseball teams don't always make you laugh. Mm-hmm. These guys made me laugh, and I'm I, that for that I'm thankful. Also, I had my first uh, real like champagne celebration. I was in the one where the Padres won at City Field, but it being an away celebration felt a mm-hmm. little different. The Phillies at home in their own clubhouse was wild, Jordan. Yeah, I can only I can only imagine it. And yeah, just just looking at you know how they did this and just looking, the, it's a weird team, it's a weird group. You got the Phillies daycare, then you got the big the big names, of course, Bryce Harper, but also these big free agents in Schwarber and Castellanos. They basically did this without Schwarber, right? What was he one for for fifteen or sixteen? And he had some walks, but he looked awful for most of the series. Awful. And we'll get to Jose Altuve going over sixteen and looking like the worst baseball player on earth, and the Astros still sweeping. But again, the Phillies are still batting him leadoff, and I'm curious. I mean, I assume they'll stick with it. It's what, it's a funny thing, right? It's like, oh, well, it worked, but also he's not playing well. Do you change something up? I doubt they do, but uh, we'll see. Uh, good time to mention now. We will preview the NLCS on an episode uh, tomorrow coming out Tuesday morning for game one. So we'll, we'll actually, you know, discuss the, the comparing the Padres and Phillies then. Um, but yeah, for the Phillies, it was, it was just so cool. And, and I mean, yeah, it, it was everything you could imagine. It was loud on TV. I, I can only imagine when it was in person and, and just seeing the bottom, seeing Stott have big hits, seeing Marsh show up. I mean, I remember talking to Marsh uh, when, when the Phillies were in, in Cincinnati, I, I came and saw him and, and just talking to Marsh a little bit just about how excited he was to just, 
Bionatino was winning, right? It's not that complicated, but even for a young guy to just be in games that matter that much can raise their level of play too. You know that, and sometimes, and, and this was, I felt like a theme all weekend. I mean, so many rookies showing up. We'll talk about Astros Mariners. So many rookies showing up and young guys who were not at all phased by these huge historic moments for these cities and these, you know, all this pain that these fans are like, all right, whatever, we're here. Let's, let's, let's play baseball. And, and that was really cool for a lot of teams this weekend. The whole thing for Philly specifically, and in a slightly different way than San Diego, but Philly was catharsis, mm-hmm. right? It felt like healing. It was, they did it. They won a freaking series. Now, it hasn't been, it really hasn't been like that long. Like it's been yeah. 11 years, 12 years since this team was the best team in the National League. This is the, the other part of it, right? Is it, it has been a long time, but they were dominant for, for, a while. for five straight years, right? So it's very different than Padres and Mariners fans who basically just haven't seen good teams at all. That being said, like, mm-hmm. the, Philly is, in my personal opinion, you know, again, I've said this, don't like Boston, love Philly. I think Philly's a great sports town. And when they're good, they care. And when they're bad, they don't. And like, when I was there a month ago, no one was showing up to these huge games against the Braves at home to try and win the wild card. Because the a lot of the fan base was like, you need to prove it to us before we buy in. And I think there's a part of that where it's like, oh, you're being a bad fan. Like, you're not just believing in the team. But that's like how things work in the Dominican Winter League, right? <laughs> where it's like, we are not going to show up until you prove to us that you're worth showing up for. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I love that vibe. Yeah, and they go and they, they go on the road for two weeks. They go on the road for two weeks and they mm-hmm. come back and they were worth showing up for. And the, the fans did because that place was sick. Right. Talking about noise in baseball stadiums is usually stupid. Like it, it's pointless. Everything is loud, guys. Every place is loud. This was loud. Louder than loud. <laughs> yes. Uh, the one thing I'll say, and this is not trying to, to, to damp on the parade, but like it was pretty easy couple games there for the fans. It's not like they had a whole lot to stress about, which credit to the Phillies for playing that well and just smacking the Braves out of the postseason. Like it's not taking anything away from the performance. But as far as the fan experience, as we'll get to with San Diego and Seattle, very different than, uh, than they didn't really have to worry about much. There was no tension. It was just a party. It was like yeah. the Phillies went up early and then it was hoping they would hold on. Yeah. Let's say so, goodbye to the Braves. Yeah, let's do that. This was... I, uh, Here's, here's, a good go. place. Here, uh, here, here's a good place to start before we talk about the Braves specifically. And this is going to kind of uh, go into, we'll talk about the postseason structure and, you know, all, oh, we're mad. The 100 big teams are losing. My One of my favorite moments of every baseball season is the defending champion losing. It's that simple. It, it is one of my favorite things because just once we get to October, especially as my, you know the Mariners haven't been in it, you know, I've never been. It's like, oh, I can imagine the Mariners being in the World Series. You know, this year I, I almost had that, but still is just thinking about and starting to picture a World Series celebration and looking at the teams left and picturing it. And when the team that won is out, it's like, oh, yeah, good. That's fine. We, we just saw that. I know what that looks like. We can move it along, right? The Braves this year for me as a neutral fan, it was like Acuna, he gets to do his thing. I know we have a couple new faces, but I, I didn't have that much as a neutral fan to really care about for the team. I knew they were really good, but I wasn't that excited to watch them advance. And so watch them lose. It was like, I don't have any animosity towards them. I was like, good. I'm excited to see someone else win. So, Braves moving on. What do we, what do we learn from this this uh, 2022 Braves team? I think they got unlucky at the end because they had to deal. They got bad freed on a stomach bug in game one. Remember, Worst freed was, all year by far. He was vomiting like crazy the start before. Like, Max Freed was not himself in that yeah. first start. Now, could they have won that game anyway? Maybe they should have. Maybe the offense would show up. Point remains. Max Freed was... Not himself in game one. Mm-hmm. And then in game three, when they had Kyle Wright great in game two, in, when they won, in game three, Spencer Strider got hurt at like the worst possible time. If Spencer Strider is Spencer Strider, there's a chance he's able to, you know, outpitch Aaron Nola or at least stay closer to him. At which point the Phillies bullpen is defending a much closer lead than the one that they were. Who knows what is. Now, the flip side of that is the offense in this series was very underwhelming. This is a team, as we've talked about, relying on the home run ball. And in these four games, they just didn't hit enough. Except I mean, for Travis Darno, who like, what? And again, credit to credit to the to the Phillies pitching. I don't want to understate it, but 
The Braves offense in that last game, 15 strikeouts and no walks. I mean, that's not that's not going to get it done. That's just not <laughs> that's and 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 look, the lineup, you know, it like Austin Riley really was not was not doing a whole lot. Olsen had some moments and Acuña was just bad, right? Acuña was quite simply bad in the field. In that last game, but for the first couple games he was I think he was 5 for 12. Yeah, that's true. In the first that's three true. Games. But once he got to Philly, yeah. And that, but that's true. Yeah, he he was he was okay. It was just I agree in general that the offense never really seemed to be getting clicking. Um, and, and that's disappointing. Now, that said, uh, this will be the team coming back except for Dansby Swanson, who maybe he will come back. Maybe he does. But as far as free agents, we're really just talking about him. We're talking about Kenley Jansen, you know, Robbie Grossman. And then I'm sure Jesse Chavez will find his way back onto this team somehow. But, <laughs> and Adam Duvall, I guess, but he's been out. So, you know, it's this is... These are the Braves. They're they're really good. And if healthy Strider, like there's a lot to be they, who they extended, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot to be excited about, but Swanson is an interesting decision. Yeah, remember, they extended everyone until the end of the world. So the Braves team you saw this year is going to be the Braves <laughs> team that you see for the next seven years or so. They even extended old ass Charlie Morton, right? So sure. you know, they, these guys are this team is is gonna look very similar. You know, Albies will be back, which will be big. Uh, what do you think with Swanson? Well, look, we have a whole offseason to talk about free agency, um, but but you know you know they lose and the camera who's the only brave they're going to show? They show Swanson, right? They show him uh, as as the guy because you it it would it would really be something if he if he doesn't come back. Now, of course, <laughs> we just watched them <laughs> sell Freddie Freeman to to fuck off, so so like nothing will surprise me if they just don't even give Dansby Swanson a call. Uh, but I don't say it's an interesting I'll decision because he's not, he's good. He's really, he's really good, but you know, he's, there's other really good shortstops out there. So it'll be interesting. That's what this will come down to. And the Braves have a lot of leverage, I think over Dansby because should Dansby take less than he's worth? No. Might he to stay in Atlanta? Maybe he has a house there and like he's from there and his life's there. That's on the table, but the Braves can basically be like, here's your you could do the same thing they did with Freeman, where they were like, here's the amount we're willing to give you. If you say no, we're going to call Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, or Carlos Correa. <laughs> right. No, it's really not that complicated. That's pretty much how this is going to go. And, and for so. a team that has extended every living and breathing being mm -hmm. from below the Mason-Dixon line, mm -hmm. the fact that they have not extended Dansby Swanson says something. In just the same as it did with them, Freeman. Just, just as, as it did, did with Freeman. Freeman. Right. So we're at least ready for it this time. Let's not fool ourselves and be like, they have to bring him back. Let's not let's not waste our energy with that. <laughs> I was the one the whole time. I said the whole time Freeman's gone. I, I that was one of my uh, yeah, off season. Yeah, well that yes. We don't need to revisit that for a few reasons, but but the point is the general we know the general narrative last year was there's no way. Like, okay, well, this time we're we'll be ready for it. All right, let's move on to Padres and Dodgers. Oh boy, this was even juicier. It was great. It the, was oh, even was great. juicier. It was even juicier. Okay, so we last uh, left off with previously also, on also, Padres Dodgers. Just just as in the series we just talked about, one one going back to San Diego, where the Padres fans have been eagerly awaiting a home game at Petco Park first. Home postseason game at Petco Park, first one since 2006, I believe, which many people pointed out. And it's an easy fun fact, but Dave Roberts was the leadoff guy <laughs> for the Padres for that game. Uh, here they come back to San Diego. And in game three, <laughs> Blake Snell delivers one of the more <laughs> maddening but also <laughs> impressive performances <laughs> that you can imagine against the Dodgers. <laughs> this was this was right in between awesome Snell and unwatchable Snell. <laughs> Just the perfect the perfect mix. Uh now only two walks, right? But boy, you know, long counts. He was taking forever. You know, when it was the big hitters, he was nibbling like crazy. It was I've said exhausting. This before. I hope in my life to love something the way Blake Snell loves a 3-2 count. <laughs> I mean, it was just, whew. Okay, but on the other side, it was much more important because Tony Gonsolin just didn't really have it. 
Um, that was not, it was not really working, uh, for Tony, another guy like Strider who had an unbelievable first three, four months, had some injuries in the second half, wasn't totally the same since he came back. Uh, Andrew Heaney came in and really limited the damage, uh, outside of a rocket Trent Grisham home run, but the Padres just held on, right? They, they did have the tension. For both of these games in San Diego, there was plenty of tension. We'll get to the, the clincher after, but this game they had to hold on, right? Dodgers score a run in the fifth, and they got to hold on. But boy, did they ever! And like we all talked, we talked about in the last episode, Robert Suarez again. He was there and he did his job. He did his job, and then Josh Hader in oh. the ninth just throwing a hundred mile an hour. BB. Yeah, Josh he Hader throwing harder than ever, harder yeah. than ever. Yep, mm-hmm. unbelievable. So they win game three. Everyone's bringing pictures of the duck from game two to the yard for game four. And game four, oh, Dodgers put runs up on Musgrove and San Diego can't do anything off of stick figure quap character Tyler Anderson, who's flailing limbs, distracted the dads through, I, I believe, mean, five hey innings. Hey, man, it was working. He's been incredible all season. But in and, the seventh, and by the way, and, yeah. By the way, I'll sort of skip ahead here. There was a quote after Joe Musgrove was like, "As soon as they took Tyler Anderson out, the dugout had life." The irony of that, right? Because that is literally what happened in the 2020 World Series. Every Dodger said, "Every Dodger said they took Snell out." We're like, "We got this." <laughs> Same thing happened, except this time to the Dodgers. They take Anderson out, I believe, after five, and. The Padres come out in the seventh inning against Tommy Canely, Yancy Almonte, friend of the show, and who was the third guy they brought? And Alex Vesia. Vesia. Yep. And they pour on five runs in just exhilarating fashion. Yancy Almonte, who I don't believe had allowed a run in a long time. <laughs> he was good uh, the game before. Canely had looked good, um, but still a smaller sample. Vesia, you know, he's been, I mean, all three of them have been, have been good this year, right? Um, I was asleep. You, the 18 inning game was enough for me on Saturday, and we'll get to that after the break. But I, w- I went to bed 3 nothing. Dodgers up 3 nothing. I was like, all right, it's going to be Seen fun this one tomorrow. Before. Yeah, it was going to be a fun one tomorrow, right? Um, and it was fine. He was like, look, man, that's, that's the Dodgers. That's fine. It's okay, Padres. Like, you, you're, you're good. But. What a comeback. And, and I understand you stood up, you watched it, and it looked, I mean, yeah, I watched the highlights. It was it was unbelievable. And Cronenworth to have the hit uh, was amazing. Ha Sung Kim with an extremely goofy but fun <laughs> double. He's so um, much fun. He's so much fun. We love Ha Sung Kim. And yeah, man, the Padres are, are an extremely fun team. Soto is starting to, starting to, he's getting there. He's still rolling over on some pitches. But he's he's also delivering some some rockets. He's you know he had a couple deep flyouts to left center. I mean it's it's starting to get there. And I not we'll talk about it in the previews. I'd be pretty horrified of one Soto if I was the Phillies. But remember what was really crazy about this mm-hmm. was like I believe they had first and third with nobody out. First and third with nobody out, and they couldn't get the run in. I believe Brandon Drury popped out, and then someone's or Bell struck out, and Brandon Drury popped out. And so you have second and third with two outs, and it's like, oh my God, they freaking bungled it. And then the Dodgers bring in Vesia, and Crawford's like, LOL, JK. <laughs> Did you see the Soto shuffle to second, by the way? Yes, right. That? So Soto, right, because it's. Uh... Yes, that was that was tremendous. It was uh, they did credit him with the steal. People on Twitter funny. were like, "Why aren't they throwing it?" I'm like, "Cause then the guy on third will go home." <laughs> that like Soto is trying in that situation. Everyone, he's What's trying to going bait. on. Mm-hmm. Soto is trying to draw a throw because if Soto draws a throw with two strikes and two outs, the runner on third, who the I go believe ahead was Hassan Kim, mm-hmm. would then come home. Soto gets in a rundown on purpose. They draw the throw. Kim is a really good runner. He slides in safe. You do this in college, high school, Little League all the time. Now, the best way to do this play is to have Soto fall. You want to pretend <laughs> like you accidentally fell. That Truly really sacrifice yourself. Correct. And trust that your guy on third will get home in time. Correct. Now, it's odd that the Dodgers, on the broadcast, they were like, 
oh, they don't want to move the defense. I'm like, it's not about moving the defense. He was walking to second. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, that with Soto in scoring position, Cronenworth drives him in. So they take uh, a two-run lead. And then and then here comes Robert Suarez again uh, to do his thing. In the rain? Hater, in the in rain? The, in, in the rain. And then Hater, Hater in the ninth. Bets Turner Freeman. One, two, three. See you later. Um, Josh Hader, I can't remember if this was in game three or four. It, oh, it had to be game three because I wasn't watching game four. Dropping change-ups that he's only thrown like 15 times all season was was completely ridiculous. That had, that had my attention and is certainly something uh, I'm going to be watching um, moving forward. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, again, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to preview stuff when we get to it, but, um, but yeah, man, it was, it was, it was amazing. And then the Padres like, now we got, of course, Machado. I mean, he's cursing on TV. We got Will Myers buying shots for whole bars in San Diego. Will Myers, who I believe is the longest tenured Padre. Um, it was, it was incredible. And, and I'm, I just, I, I could not be happier for, for Padres fans and, and we'll get to the Dodgers here in a second, but anything else on, uh, on, on the Padres? Two things. Number one. LOL, Eric Hosmer watching on TV is sad and funny. Number two, when the Padres first got good, when they first said, we're going to go for it, this was even before they changed the uniforms, right? Mm. When they had Tatis and um, coming up at the end right, of Right, because Tatis was still wearing blue. Uh, he was wearing year. blue at the end yeah. of 19, yeah. and they had signed Machado, and it was like, okay, they're going to try to do this. Right away, everyone went, Padres-Dodgers is going to be great. And then everyone went, not really, because the Dodgers are way better. And every time they play, there's a whole hubbub and to-do about it. And there's energy at Petco Park. There's energy at Dodger Stadium. And then the Dodgers just crush them. They just Mm. take their souls. And that's that. This was different. The, po- the way that I felt was, holy shit, they did it, right? <laughs> they did it. They did it. They did the thing. They slayed mm-hmm. the dragon mm-hmm. up the freeway. This, if the Padres get swept, it's a success. It's a success <laughs> because they beat the Dodgers. They beat the Dodgers. It's like, you know when people say, oh, if you're the head coach, head football coach at Michigan and you beat Ohio State, you don't win any other games, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You beat the, Do- you knocked the 111 win Dodgers. Out of the postseason, I, I, it's nuts. It's I know really, it's really amazing. Nuts. And let me tell you, uh, Silver, we'll we'll get to some similar sentiments uh, projecting forward for my beloved Mariners in Houston. Uh, but let's talk about the Dodgers first. Oh, actually, quick, let's just do thirty seconds on Eric Hosmer. Question for you: Who had a worse time in the second half? Eric Hosmer getting fifty at bats. 50 plate appearances for the just borderline unwatchable Red Sox as they threw away a postseason spot. I would Not say that they were ever that close. Or Luke Voigt <laughs> on the worst team in baseball, but got to be treated like he was the man <laughs> in, in DC. Um, who, who, who you got? Just for this. We're not, not projecting for it. Because <laughs> they both are left out. They were both on this team. They will both get rings if they win the World Series, mm-hmm. which is hilarious mm-hmm. to think about. Who had a worse time? <laughs> I would say Luke Voigt because Eric Hosmer is sitting on piles and piles true. and piles of money. That's true. That's true. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the Dodgers. Um, if you build a team, <laughs> if you build a bullpen out of good but no name guys is that a problem or is this a small sample size or do you like need to have been there before yeah you know i mean sure i to me it's not even as much about the the little roster build i mean yes it's some roster building things it's some dave roberts things and let's just say now they already announced he's coming back so for the seventh year in a row that people want him fired it sounds like you the annual not right um jordan we'll usually it's great you can pencil it into your jewish calendar okay it goes <laughs> Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. Dave Roberts has not been fired. Dave Roberts has not been Dave fired. Dave Roberts will be back. <laughs> then it's uh, Simchat Torah. Right, right. And then we get to Hanukkah. And, right. All right. Um, but the whole the conversation we just had about the Mets, right, and that comes with all kinds of other 
drama and pain and whatever. But for the Dodgers, I, the reason I bring it up is it's just like, well, you you build as good of a regular season team and performance as you can see, you know, plus 300 and whatever run differential and 111 wins and franchise wins. And, and for them to, to do, to, for them to still raise the bar every season in the regular season is incredible, right? Like <laughs> we've already seen so many amazing regular season Dodger teams. Now this is this is still a huge this is a huge failure huge disappointment all, all those things yes for sure a hundred percent right but I I mean I don't know like whatever as as we've all been all yelling about on Twitter like postseason's different five game series like shit happens um, th- there was parts of the the lineup that that maybe were not showing up in the same ways and and but like the no name bullpen I mean sure you could say well they they could do it in the regular season but they couldn't do it when it mattered I, I guess I but, I agree with you I think that's lazy. I don't yeah. agree with that. Even yeah. though I said it, I was just raising a question. Yeah. This was about the offense going quiet at mm-hmm. the worst possible time in the same way that it was with the Braves. The difference is the Braves pitchers were worse. Well, and also the Dodgers hitters. Well, okay. Justin Turner is washed beyond. Time, time to I go. I mean, my my goodness. But, but, you know, still it was a better lineup than they were rolling out there last year. <laughs> you know, like I still felt better about their their run production this season, and, and it just didn't really come together. Um, so unlike the Braves, though, well, quickly, uh, just just oh, to yeah. finish, yeah. Cody Bellinger, mm. that's tough. He was <laughs> one for seven. Mookie was two for fourteen in the series. Justin yeah. Turner two for thirteen. Chris Taylor over seven. Will Smith three for sixteen. Trace Thompson, two for 13. So that's where the suckiness was. Yeah. Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner were just themselves the whole time. <laughs> it was those two were unstoppable. Yes. Now, I, I, you know, and they're playing Trace Thompson, who, of course, had the amazing season. But it's just, again, because Bellinger is so bad. Like, I, it's weird. But again, like, I knew this all during the regular season. They won 111 games. They won 40 of 50 at one point or some crazy number. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to like. Yeah, of course they can clearly get better, but I don't know. We're gonna win 112 games. I, I guess maybe it's a hilarious version of like the Billy Beans shit doesn't work in October. <laughs> yeah, because again, when you go this many times, but this is the thing. Yeah, it's disappointing, but it's you still got a success. One. Not you go one. You got one, and hey, you'd still better rather be there every single season, essentially guaranteed, than ninety five percent of the rest of the league. So I ain't crying too hard for you. Would <laughs> you rather sure. have the last ten years as a fan, Nats Dodgers? Oh, great last question. ten years as a fan, Nats Dodgers. We'll go twenty twenty two back to twenty twelve. I think if you asked me two years ago. Ooh, if you ask me right after the 2020 season, where they had both just won back-to-back, right? Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> it's still Dodgers. Come on. It's got to be. But I. But the thing is, I've been thinking so much about the Nats lately. Like, I, I really have. Like, I do. Because the farther they get, and then as bad as they were this season, that, that it was three years ago that they did that with the team. It's not like they were... I mean, sure, they were sort of center of the story. They had some of the best players in the world. I don't know. I, I can't stop thinking about the Nats and just how they did it and, and how freaking cool that was. And and how in some ways, right, that was in some ways more rewarding because of their thing. But Dodgers are still probably the right answer. So I don't know. It's a good People question. listening, let us know what you think. <laughs> it's, okay. I, it, it's fun to think about. The argument for the Nats, just to be devil's advocate, right, is you got the moment. You got to experience it. You got to soak it in. You didn't you know didn't what get, COVID like, was. The, yeah, you didn't know what COVID was. You didn't, get, you didn't have to deal with the, the downside is you didn't get the year after, right? You didn't get mm. the celebration, like mm. the ring ceremony because mm-hmm. of COVID, whatever. But when they won the World Series, it felt as real as could be. Oh. And you got to see them play at home in the World Series. Now, granted, you didn't get to see them win any games at home in the World Series. <laughs> it's fine. But you did get to see uh, it's, it's. I don't know. I Yeah, it's, it's right because the Dodgers, they have not seen their team win the World Series. They've seen the Astros win. They've seen the Red Sox win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask him maybe a dumb question and then we'll move on. Yeah. And this is very stupid. This word is overused. Are the 2020 Dodgers iconic? I think yes, because in the worst way, the 2020 season, we will both never forget and want to try and forget forever. <laughs> so um, I think there was enough iconic that happened and how different it was 
that you won't forget them. But I sort of see what you're getting at. I think uh, that the 2019 Nats are one of the most iconic and memorable <laughs> World Series champions that we've had in recent memory. And I totally agree. Having that in my pocket as a fan forever, it's like they're not the 86 Mets. The 86 Mets are, in, are like the team, right? The 86 Mets are the ideal standard of the team that you can talk to your kids about at a bar. Right. Here's yeah. But the 19 Nats, man, like Here's the your other brother, thing. when your brother has grandkids. Here's the other thing about that team. And everyone's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? The worst team in the league. It helps when it's so isolated, right? Because right. the Giants winning three is so amazing and impressive and like cool. But when you think about them now, it's like Oh, yeah, that was 12. Oh, no, that was 14. Okay, yeah, that was... And then the Red Sox, we've had a bunch. It's like, oh, that was that one. And that was... Even the Royals, who went in back-to-back years, was that sometimes you're thinking 15? like, oh, 14, 15, right. Nats, man. And especially now that they're going to suck for a long time. Oof. Oh, and the trajectory so of the whole thing where they're like crawling up, oh, right? Oh. They're crawling up and the mm. Harper leaves and then they win it and then they immediately fall off a cliff. Oh, my God. Okay, oh. all right. All right, no more Nats. Sorry. Last thing on the Dodgers, and we're going to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Free agents. David Price. <laughs> Remember him? He's David Price, up. I think he's gone, right? He's, 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 he's retired. Okay. Clayton Kershaw. We'll save that conversation. <laughs> uh, Justin Turner. Oh, uh, hopefully that's not. Future giant. Happening. Future Haney, giant Justin Turner. Andrew Heaney and Tyler Anderson, who were both very important this year. Chris Martin, uh, Tommy Canley. Uh, and then, of course, Trey Turner. And Joey Gallo, who did not receive an at-bat in the four games against the San Diego Padres. Um so yeah, they they certainly have some decisions to make as well, but they could just go out and sign, you know, Bogarts or Correa or Judge or whatever. So they'll be fine. All right, let's take a quick break and we will be back with the Mariners and Astros baseball game that happened. <laughs> Buck O'Neill dedicated his life to teaching us about the heroes of the Negro Leagues and demonstrating that you could get further in life with love than you could with hate. Now is our opportunity to say thank you to this legendary man. Join the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum as we celebrate Buck's long overdue induction into the National Baseball Hall of Fame by supporting our Thanks a Million Buck campaign. It's an effort to raise at least $1 million by fans donating a buck or more in support of the NLBM. Remember, every buck counts. To donate, visit thanksamillionbuck.com. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. Jordan's favorite team in the world is the Seattle Mariners, whose season is over. You probably know this. You probably heard about their 18-inning game. I got more texts about this game from people I don't know. People who, like, have your number, but you don't know who they are when they text you. Jordan, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, that is that is mostly a Jankman's problem, but I it hasn't happened to me before, yes. But they're like, how about this Mariners game? And, and you respond, crazy. Yeah, man, that's nuts. How about it? Anyway. How about Jordan, you? How are What's you going doing? on? Area code. What area code is this number? Uh, Jordan Schusterman. Yeah. What a way for it to end. An 18-inning, endless marathon. <laughs> More grueling than any baseball game I can remember. (laughs) Before we dive into it, I want to give a quick shout out to our good friend Clinton Yates of ESPN. Do you know why, Jordan? Do you see this? I know he was there. Um, He was there, but not only was he there. (laughs) Did he keep score? Clinton Yates might be the only person in the world who has been at not one, not two, but three... 18-inning postseason games. This was, was also Clinton's first time in Seattle because I was texting him uh, about it. Uh, he was there for like the Seattle sports eclipse, which I understand involves a lot of different things happening at once. But yeah, wow. Three. He was Wait, what's the, the third the one? Zimmerman 18-inning game against the Giants where the Nats pulled Zimmerman in the, in the ninth with one out left and Storen gave it up and it went 18. And, and Brandon Bell home run, right? I remember Brandon that. Brandon Bell home yeah. run. And he was at the Muncie oh, World course, Series duh. game yes. against the yes. Red Sox. And then he was yeah. there. Crazy. Crazy that I wonder if anyone else has been at all three. It's also it's also pretty wild that that is the record, right? And now we've had 318 and none has gone past 18. Um, and this is relevant. High, baby. It's high. This is relevant 
because friends, we had 15 scoreless and 18, 17 scoreless in the span of a week. So that's a thing that maybe we should be thinking about as uh, as our baseball game becomes you know harder to score runs because the pitchers are too good. Whatever. Okay, let's talk about this game. So, well, there's not a lot to talk about. Jeremy Pena has a solo home run, <laughs> and that'll do it, folks. Uh, six hours, twenty-two minutes, eighteen innings, eighteen different pitchers, four hundred ninety-eight pitches. Heartbreaking to not get the five hundred pitches. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go that far, <laughs> I mean. Let's let's get that's there. the most heartbreaking part of the game. Um, other just unbelievable things from just the box score. 42 combined strikeouts, four walks. Jake, four freaking walks. Who is that? Okay. A full season from Jonathan Scope. <laughs> there are pitchers that that walked four and didn't get an out this season. Like, I mean, it, it come on. All right. Four walks. But this again, this isn't, I'm not blaming the hitters. You know, the pitching was unfreaking believable in this game. And yes, we did have a version of this game just a week ago with Cleveland and with Tampa Bay. However, there aren't a lot of good hitters on those teams to challenge, uh, a, to, to really challenge. Now, does, does the Mariners lineup when they're not going obviously can't score? As we learned, yes. But to hold, the Houston Astros scoreless for 17 goddamn innings. Unreal. Let's start with George Kirby. Okay? Raise the banner. Raise the banner. Uh, okay. Help the Houston Astros scoreless for 17 uh, listen, goddamn innings. Let's talk about George Kirby. Spencer Strider. Look, I, I'm not trying to dunk on Spencer Strider here, but he was injured. Fine. First rookie postseason start. Dude the, who had makes his first career relief appearance in Toronto to close out the series. And it's like, wow, all right, here we go. Kirby. And you wonder, the neutral fans, even if you, before, let's say we were having this conversation two weeks ago, and it was like, really? They're not going to use Robbie Ray? Okay. This is why you go to George Kirby. I mean, it's one of the best, I have to imagine, one of the best rookie postseason starts ever. I Maybe mean, not statistically. I mean, it was seven scoreless. He only had five strikeouts, no walks. He was he was amazing. And, and the fact that then they used literally the entire bullpen uh, to hold it until Penn Murphy, you know, just Penn Murphy's eventually, if you're going to have Penn Murphy throw 90 miles an hour, eventually one of the Astros hitters is going to hit it over the fence. But the fact that's that it the, took until the 18th, you know. That's the fourth law of thermodynamics. Yeah. If you allow <laughs> Penn Murphy to face the Astros in the 18th, there will be a homer. Uh, Jose Altuve, 0 for 8. <laughs> for 16 in this series. And I, I never quote tweeted this because, first of all, Astros fans online, I don't want to deal with. And also because I knew that the Astros were going to win. But before the game, Dusty Baker said, <laughs> Altuve with no hits, because again, he was 0 for, for the first two games, is the most dangerous fan in the building. <laughs> That's a great line. And then for, great line. Love that line. I was like, oh, Altuve's homering first pitch tonight. <laughs> Sam Miller's <laughs> famous line. Every baseball player is either hot or due. Yeah. Well, good luck to Cleveland or New York, who will have to pinch down as Altuve uh, after his 0 for, 0 for 16. Jordan. Oh for seven. <laughs> I mean, like, like they they pitched to him, you know, over seven with zero walks. He had one deep fly out. I mean, they did everything they could. But look, man, this is the this is the real takeaway here. Before I get to my Mariners season wrap up, the Astros pitching is as good as it has ever been. Maybe the top is not as good as obviously when it was Verlander and Cole. But I'm and I'm going to write about this for Fox. This bullpen and this just pitching staff is as good as it's been in the, this six-year run of six straight ALCSs. It is an insane collection of arms, some of which you never heard of, some of which you have, and they used to play for the Phillies. Their name is Hector Neris. It is just a ridiculous, ridiculous group. I The difference in this game, there was one home run from Jeremy Pena, but the real difference in this game was Houston's ability to run Luis Garcia out there. Oh. For as many innings as they did. Luis Garcia, who is typically a starter, you know his rock the baby pitching motion. He threw five innings of scoreless relief. Unbelievable. Right? He was so good. He He was was so good. good. He He was was so so unhittable. Whereas the Mariners did not have a starter, really, that they could use. And now not that listen, Luis Garcia is way better than Marco or Chris Flexen. But they could not extend it any further. 
um, because they just they ran out. They had nothing left. Um, and to, for the Astros to just chill with Luis Garcia and not ask for any of their top guys to go multiple innings besides Hunter Brown, who is a starter also, was was amazing. I, it was it was one of the most incredibly pitched games ever. Uh, and and just you know for the Mariners fans who showed up for that, I mean it's 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 a hell of a way to go out, man. And and again. Five postseason games for the first time in 20 years, and they have one of the most, one of the biggest comebacks ever, biggest road comeback ever, most, the highest WPA home run in postseason history, <laughs> Jordan game one, and then the longest scoreless game uh, in postseason history. Uh, that was it. We had a lifetime's worth of postseason experience. And my biggest takeaway is that while it will go down as a sweep, the rivalry that has not existed is actually a thing now. And for the first time since, because this is a big part of this too, is the Astros joined the AL West in 2013. And you they don't were even terrible. go here. You don't even yeah, go here. Right. So it's not like they have history that dates back, you know, decades. The Astros were terrible. And then suddenly they were amazing. And the Mariners were bad. And now the Mariners have been desperately clawing their way up in the same way that the Padres have. And they're still much farther, clearly, behind uh, Houston. But as you said to me, you watched this, the Mariners belonged. They absolutely were a postseason team. They deserved to be there. And yes, they got swept. But, <laughs> I mean, to go to take Houston that far was so impressive. It was so fun to watch. And it's just super exciting because now they know what they need to do. They they know, okay, we need some freaking hitters. But we do belong. The pitching is this good. The pitching is as good as we've seen from any other team. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I can't wait for next year, man. It was it was a great season. And I, I as, as brutal as Saturday was, I, I am overjoyed with the 2022 Mariners. It was an absolutely amazing year. I've talked before about the idea of a good loss, <laughs> right? There are bad losses. There are bad wins even, and there are good losses. Uh, the Mariners rattled off three consecutive outstanding <laughs> defeats. Now yeah. you might be a hardo over there. You might be like one of those high school football coach types. Who's like, no such thing as a good loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. In my book, there is. And the Mariners <laughs> Rattled off three great losses. It was the best loss of a sweep in baseball history. Yeah. You can never get swept so emphatically and inspiringly as the Mariners did. And and look, look, finishing with 23 scores is unacceptable under any circumstance, no matter who you're facing. At the same time, like if they had gotten just steamrolled in this series, which I think some Mariners fans were expecting, even the ones that have cheered this team on believed. We go into next season thinking like, God damn it, there's still such a long way to go, you know, <laughs> like, like, but the, and and I felt that all season still, you know, like I still felt that all regular season, like, oh, they're still so far behind Houston, and in some ways they are, but they're way closer than we ever could have imagined, and that is super duper freaking exciting. Quickly on the Astros, yeah, the <laughs> Mariners mean, we'll played the Mariners in different facets played three yeah. incredible ball games. Yeah. Really, they did right. Yeah. They got the Hoss badass start. <laughs> from Castillo in game two. Didn't matter. Astros still won. They got an offensive outburst. Against Gilbert Justin was good Verlander. in first game two. They got three and, amazing starting pitching performances. Yep. Game mm-hmm. one, they beat up on Verlander. Doesn't matter. Astros win. Game three, rookie. You know, George Kirby goes out and, and carves. Doesn't matter. Astros win. Go 18 innings. You're going to hold the Astros scoreless for 17. Doesn't matter. They win. Sorry. Yeah. They win. They get to the ALCS is what they do. Yeah. They and again, the cans. Good, good. Remember. You can hate them for the cans all you want. Six consecutive ALCS appearance. This one's real. These are real now. They're real now. They're not banging on cans now. Yeah. Maybe they are, and I'll look stupid this season when Evan Trellick writes another they were banging on cans piece or some shit, okay? But right. for now, I am going to choose to believe that the 2022 Houston Astros are doing it on the up and up, and they're simply just kicking people's ass. Yes, we just we just had this conversation last year, right? I mean, it was it was the same thing, and I'm I'm at the same place, except I think they're even better because I think their pitching's even better than it was last year, and that's why it's going to be really freaking hard to beat them. All right, let's get to our final series, which is not done yet: the Guardians and Yankees. And as we record this on Sunday night, we uh, watched this evening uh, a excellent performance from Garrett Cole and a. Lie. There were some moments here and there, but they were fairly in control. Now, how the Yankees' bullpen has been performing maybe made it a little stressful, but Cleveland didn't really get that close uh, to threatening in the end. Uh, easy inning in the ninth for Wandy Peralta, and the series returns to New York for a decisive, pivotal Game 5 
we will get one game five, and I'm very excited to watch it. Uh, things from this series that you have that you have learned and that you are thinking about going into game five. Whew. The Yankees bullpen is unreliable. <laughs> we thought it would be, and it is. They threw it away in game four in spectacular fashion, or sorry, game three in spectacular fashion, not going to Clay Holmes, who was available. Boone said he wasn't available. Clay Holmes said he was available. Miscommunication, not what you want. They left Clark Schmidt out there. He gave up a barrage of runs in the ninth inning. Cleveland comes back and wins on an incredible Oscar Gonzalez walk off with two outs and the bases loaded. Oscar Gonzalez now just has like three game winning hits, <laughs> including two walk offs. Because he got one in game two on the road yeah. in Yankee mm-hmm. Stadium with a bloop off the Yankees bullpen. Where kind of it was Jameson Tyon. I guess that doesn't really count. Yeah, bottom but line I, here. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I just want to say, like, you know, is it unreliable? But also people are pointing out how Boone's managed it because Trevino threw seven pitches, Loisaga threw 15 pitches before they went to Peralta for 27 and then Clark Schmidt at the end. So it's like they do have some guy, and then obviously not using Holmes. That's the big that's the big one. But but you know, they're they're not totally barren, but it is it is scary. And as we go into game five, the reason this is relevant is because Cleveland's Big, you know, the the head honchos down there are chilling and haven't thrown since Friday. That's Class A, who was unbelievable on Friday, throwing two and a third. Uh, that's Karen Chak, and that is Trevor Steffen, who Trevor Steffen is really the second guy. He is he is tremendous. Um, and you know they have the other guy, you know, Henches and and uh, well, I guess they lost Sandlin, right? They lost Sandlin to injury, and he was one who was who was good this season. So that's someone that that they have missing now. But still, in terms of rest. Cleveland is clearly has the edge. The Yankees, Peralta has thrown in all four games. Easy outing tonight, but that's still a lot. Uh, Johnny Lasagna did not pitch tonight. Correct. Um, so that is good, but Holmes did. And as we understand, he is at least somewhat limited. I imagine he will be available tomorrow, but still, For that one. is uh, worth noting. It sounds like Cortez will be available out of the bullpen. But strange that we are ending up with Tyon and Aaron Savali, partially just because this, this series is just so condensed. And I imagine they will be a crazy quick hook. I think the real question, right, is, is how many how many outs does Aaron Savali get? I think that's really kind of the whole the whole story here, right? Yeah, and this is because we have the rain out. Remember, mm-hmm. so if if Bieber and Cortez go Thursday, go Thursday, they can throw on short rest on Monday. But because that game got pushed to Friday, the Friday to Monday turnaround is kind of too much to have a guy start. I would imagine Bieber will also be available out of the pen in some form or fashion. How many outs does Aaron Savali get? If it's over nine, Cleveland wins. I think. If it's mm-hmm. under that, they have no chance. Presumably, you can get two from Karen Chak. Is you're you can absolutely get two from Stefan and two from Class A. Class A for sure. You might even be able to get three from Stefan. But so how short can we make this game, right? That's really that's really what we're talking about. So it'll be fascinating. I mean, say, <laughs> all the things we just talked about, the Braves and Dodgers and Mets seasons going down in flames. I mean, this, listen, you said, you said, you said, most likely to go five, here we are, right? It, it is clearly close. They do it in very different ways. Aaron Judge outside of one just wow. obliterated home run has still not looked very good. I hope that Cleveland wins this series so I can we can give shit to Tristan McKenzie about that mega blast forever. <laughs> I had the man. same I had the same thought. I was like, I was like, wow, Tristan really testing how cold Aaron Judge is with 94 down the middle. <laughs> Amazing. Uh so yeah, let's, bloops, let's not go too deep on this because we'll we'll see what happens and then we'll the, we'll talk about the LCS. The bloops are silly, but that's the whole thing. They built the the ship out of bloops. That's the you know, whole thing. That's yeah. the whole thing. Is it silly? Yeah, yeah. but it works clearly. Yeah. You're giving yourself more chances to to for the defense to fuck up. Like that's kind of why you put the ball in play. There is something hilarious about like Cleveland being like, "All right, game five for all the marbles." Mm-hmm. Aaron Savali in Yankee Stadium <laughs> with the short porch against Judge. Here we go. Like I know. What did you can... start an opener? Like yeah. I would throw Eniel De Los Santos against the top sure. three guys. Think, yeah, did he pitch? Um, he pitched we like Aaron Savali, but I would just be yeah. careful. Is all. 
Savali, he just hasn't been the same guy that he was, you know, the last yeah. year. So, no, it'll be really interesting. Uh, I'm very, very excited for that game. There will certainly be some some anxiety in in the Bronx. You will not be there. I know you've been to a lot of those games, but you will be on your way to San Diego, and we'll talk more about that on the next episode. Uh, but, but yeah, man, that's pretty. Do do I guess people probably Josh Naylor. Uh, oh, oh, this is the last thing I want to talk about. Okay, not not even Josh Naylor. I just want to talk about Garrett Cole for a second. Okay, okay, I'll give Garrett Cole some love because Garrett Cole. I just appreciate so much. And yeah, we make fun of the Yankees all the time. We're, we're human beings, of course. And if they lose, we will laugh. That's just, sorry, right? But that, that does not mean... Where's the crown? Yeah, that does not mean that we cannot appreciate New York Yankees. And I very much appreciate Garrett Cole. Now, uh, this, this goes back a, a few years. But like, I just really do like... It's not just... I, I hate that it's just like, wow, he's so... Uh, he's so smart. Oh, he really knows pitching. Like, there's so many pitchers like that. We did this way too much with Trevor Bauer, and that was a horrible mistake for all the reasons we understand. Like, we don't we want to glorify not, this too much. We did not do it, just to be clear. No, I know. I know. But people people saying, like to do that, right? It was but, done but, with Trevor Bauer. We did it not was do done it. with Trevor Bauer, right? So it, I'm not trying to glorify it, but I will say that it is, I do really enjoy, there's, there's a very short list of baseball. I know you make fun of me because I like to watch press conferences and it's true. Although that's really more so for like transactions than it is for post games. I do not care about that stuff. But as far as post game quotes and listening to baseball players say things, Garrett Cole's way up there on the list because he does, he is very thoughtful. He, he is not capable of giving a bullshit answer. And that's why after tonight's game, when, you know, Lawrence Chahadi pulls him aside, I unmuted and was like, I want to hear it because he will tell you, he will actually tell you what he was thinking during that at bat in the fifth inning. He will actually tell you how he got through the seventh, you know, and why he went to those pitches because he is obsessed with this shit and he's a psycho and that's what all of the best pitchers usually are, right? But I just love that he gives us that insight and outside of his one all-time 80-grade embarrassing spider tack answer... <laughs> which to me was a sign of him being too honest and not being able to say, yeah, I didn't use that. Uh, I love Garrett Cole. Like I really do. And I appreciate him. And while of course we all pray on the Yankees downfall, seeing him succeed, I do not enjoy Garrett Cole uh, giving up home runs. And so that is there. I said it. I really said it. <laughs> Lindsay Adler wrote about this, right? Yeah. He is the hardest job in baseball. Mm-hmm. He has the hardest job in baseball being the pitcher for the Yankees is the hardest job in baseball. Now he's paid accordingly. I would do yeah. it. Don't <laughs> Yeah. Don't, but, I'm asking you to feel bad for him when he gives up no. home runs. I'm just saying I love watching him pitch. And when he, I know how much he cares and it's, it's cool to see him deliver. You talk about the press conference thing. Do you remember when we saw him in 2015, when he was on the pirates in San Francisco, it was I the do. first time I think you and I had ever really seen a post game. It was one of it was one of them. Yep, mm-hmm. in a locker room, and he came out, and I think, I think they got the loss against the Giants. I think he got the loss. He was amazing but in that game. I, I I remember, and and the San Francisco Giants press box is one of the lower ones, and so amazing home plate view, and his shit that night was insane. Now it's funny looking back because that's when he was still throwing sinkers. <laughs> and so the movement was very different than the Garakol we're used to seeing now with the Yankees. Um, but at the same time, even when it wasn't all the way clicking, let's not act like he was bad on the Pirates because oh, the win. shit was still incredible. Yeah, no, I, I remember that start very well. That was that was one of the, that was, again, that was part of two why I was just like, damn, this dude is amazing. He was the number one pick, of course. Seven innings, no runs, nine Ks, 100 pitches. Yeah, I, I'll... Uh, we could find the, the the highlights from that. I've gone back and watched it before. It was it was one of the most memorable games we've but gone to. But what we remember and, yeah, I've, I've, is the post game where he was yep. talking about his two seamer and talking about his fastball. Like he was just so. And you and I were these nerds. <laughs> we were like nineteen years old in this clubhouse, yeah. being like, yeah. "Oh my god, Garrett Cole's talking about pitching." And looking yeah. back on it, it could have been Ryan Vogel's song, <laughs> and we would have been like, "Oh my god, Ryan Vogel's song." But right. we saw the first one we ever saw was the the best there is in terms of press conference talking about the game that just happened. It really yep. he really is great at that. That's a good yep. point. So anyway, I just wanted to give him props and and the nailer moment. Like, look, we're, we're you like yes, he is going to to do oh, yeah. and say insane shit when he runs around the bases. You can like it or not. It's entertaining. People will retweet it. That's a good thing. Like, not that complicated. Like, <laughs> this is not one where we really have a strong take about it. Other, than- I have a strong take. Yeah. 
Yeah. We need characters. Yeah. Right. Baseball is, at the end of the day, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Okay? We do not treat it like that. We It is entertaining us, but we do not treat it like entertainment in the same mm-hmm. way that we treat other forms of entertainment because we're so deep. But for most people, baseball is like going to the movies or having a nice dinner or turning on HBO Max or whatever the fuck, right? And when Josh Naylor, if you live in Cleveland and you're like, there's that big guy who DHs, who when he hits a home run, loses all control of his body, I'm interested in that. And so if he's going to rock the baby, he's going to rock the baby. If he's going to throw his bat at the ground, he's going to throw his bat at the ground. As long as he's not physically harming any other human being, that's okay. Oh, he might hurt someone's feelings? Boo <laughs> fucking who? You're an adult. You're a baseball player. If you don't like it, don't do it. Get the guy out. We've yep. talked about this a million times. I'm, I don't want to relitigate it again. But if he wants to do crazy shit running around the bases, let him do it. If your feelings are hurt, may I direct you to a, a career in accounting? Yeah. And Garrett Cole said in his post-game interview with Lawrence Hyde, he said, yeah, like I made three mistakes. Two of them I didn't pay for. One of them, Josh Naylor, you know, he hit. After the game, of course, they asked him about the celebration. Garrett Cole says, yeah, whatever. It's cute. Like, yeah, that's what Garrett Cole's going to say. That's fine. <laughs> it's like he's, he won. He doesn't care. Like, it's, it's, it's not that complicated. It's a good thing. We support it. All right. Uh, Jordan, by the way, got? you're my oh, yeah. child. Uh <laughs> <laughs> who you got? Who you got? Uh, game five. I mean, how do you bet against Savali in a in a winner take all? Uh, you don't. I'm not feeling great about JMO either. Let's be real. Yeah, these are just to be clear. Like these are two guys we like as people. This oh, is yeah. like a matchup Absolutely. of, of, of rootable. I just gentlemen. don't think either of them will be in the game very long. Although I think it's going to rest a lot more on Tyon. I would imagine. I'm surprised it wasn't Herman. Um, because he also hasn't pitched that much, and he presumably would also be in position. So I, I, I would guess if they need length, Herman will pitch too. But I yeah, think man. this is going to go one of three ways. Okay, the Yankees. Okay. You can't have ties. Him. You know that, right? Yes. Okay. Now, oh, okay. They could go two ways. No. Okay. Way one: the Yankees bludgeon Aaron Savali into dust. Jameson Tyon throws six innings of like great boring. Game he's five. capable of that. He sure. can. He's done it. Sure, he sure. throws six good innings, and the Yankees win like eight to one. That's it, totally on the board, right? Mm. Not even interesting. You're watching HBO Max by the fourth inning. Whatever. HBO Max getting a lot of love tonight. You're listening to the Sirius XM <laughs> app by the seventh inning. Go ahead. Yep. That's one. Number two is it stays close, mm-hmm. and it's a nail biter, and then at the end, Cleveland bloops their way to a win over Clark Schmidt again or something, you know? Way three um, is that. Way three is way two, but the Yankees get to hit last. And someone does something unbelievable off of Emmanuel Class A, which I have seen before in Yankee Stadium. There's this feeling in Yankee Stadium when it's close to the end of the game. Oh, Will Crow's going to blow this one. Right? That permeates. Even when whoa. it's Class A. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, let's not just let's not just say, oh, it's just Class A. Uh, quickly on Savali. Um, hasn't pitched in the postseason yet. 492 ERA this year in 20 starts. He's faced the Yankees two times, once at home on July 2nd, six innings, four runs, uh, and then once at Yankee Stadium, April 24th, three innings, seven hits, six runs. So, you know, we'll see. Tough assignment. But like I said, Cleveland's bullpen will be pushed to the limit. And the reality is either of these teams is going to head to Houston and have to face Justin Verlander. Maybe they should call Julio Rodriguez for some tips. <laughs> the Mariners are uh, better than both these teams. Uh, I, I think you're being a nice friend, but I appreciate you saying that. All right. We're done. Uh, thank you for listening. Oh, hey, last thing. Lee Dome is back. And What's I know, Lee Dome, Jordan? Uh, Lee Dome is the Dominican Winter League. And I know you're thinking, oh, well, I can't pay attention to that. It's the MLB postseason. The reason I'm really bringing it up now, opening day was Saturday, is that one, everyone, how do we watch it? We're going to tweet out clips. How do we watch it? $25 MLB TV postseason package. You get every single game. Yes, they're in Spanish. You get every single game for free, or not for free. You get every single game streamed, including the postseason, which is essentially like 60 plus games through January of baseball almost every single night. Three games almost every single night of names you will love to hear again, like Junior Lake. But the rumors I bring it up too is now that we get to the CS, there's just fewer postseason games on every day. And 
if you just need an appetizer to throw on something while you're waiting, sometimes you got some day games, we can't recommend it enough. Obviously, we have not been covering it to the same degree as we have in past seasons, but we will as soon as the World Series is over. And we love it. And you can watch it for 25 bucks. There's a third reason, Jordan. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> I'm saying there's a real reason why we are extra invested this year. Uh, and that is that Ioannis Cespedes is playing baseball again. Ever heard of him? Uh, he is playing for Aguilas. Uh, <laughs> and he went 0 for 4 in his first game. I don't know what he did today. Um, but... He's playing baseball, and that's really all that matters. He, I believe, it is his birthday in like two days, and he's turning 37. So that's us. Yes, October 18th. Yo turns 37, but hey, he's down there. He's playing. He's hitting in front of Melky Cabrera, and you can watch it for $25 uh, on MLB TV. So we hope you enjoy it. Uh, that is it. Uh, that is it for this episode. We will be back with an NLCS preview as soon as possible. So stay tuned for that. We will probably not get to do an ALCS preview, although maybe uh, we will see about that. But we will certainly be back at some point later this week as well as as the baseball calls for. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing as always. We appreciate it. And uh, Jake, I know you're off to San Diego to cover the Padres and Phillies. And we will I, hear more about that on the next episode. That Anything sounds else? great. I am <laughs> either going to go pack for six days or 16. Mm, sounds like you're the Phillies. That's what they just <laughs> did. So, so now I, I again they did it for way longer. I think I think you can manage. Although your suitcase probably isn't as big and expensive as um, as Bryce Harper's. All right, thank you all for listening, uh, and we will talk to you all again soon on the Baseball Barbercast. Serious XM Podcasts.